us this morning. Thanks, Mick. <laughs> and so, it is my pleasure to introduce the speaker to us this morning, the wonderful Joe Hargreaves. I can't think of anybody better to come and talk to us about serving, because we all know how much Joe serves the house of God, from organizing the gathering, to leading their connect group, and to being our pastor to each and every one of us here in this location. It's an absolute pleasure to have Joe come and talk to us this morning. So before Joe comes on up, there is a short video from our senior pastor, Stuart Bell, and then as Joe comes up, let's make sure that we welcome her up to the stage. Hi everyone. Holidays with the family don't always bring the best out of parents. Dads are even likely to dad dance. Irene would often ask me why I would have to show off in front of the kids. Strangely, a week's holiday demanded the stepping out of comfort zones and doing things with your kids that you don't normally do. Have you watched fathers out on the boating lake trying to impress their children with their sailing skills? I have seen fathers rowing alongside children where instead of crossing the lake, they end up with half an hour's worth of creating circles. Frustration levels rapidly increase and what was meant to be a great holiday activity ends up in tears. Rowing demands cooperation, timing, teamwork and practice. Our churches are meant to move forward with direction and clarity. In this series, we continue to look at how we can partner together, working in teams, all carrying weight, and contributing our efforts and our gifts to reach our goals together. Have a great, great day. Fantastic. Has, I don't know, has anyone ever had a family holiday that has ended in stress? Have they? Surely, surely not. Dan and I have had a shift in our thinking about this. We no longer call them family holidays. We call them family adventures. And that has changed it for us because people come back and go, did you have a nice holiday? And you're like, no, I'm tireder than when I went. But if you call it a family adventure, it helps you change your thinking on it. So, hello, what a random service we've had. Rachel's just bringing this like great bit of Bible inspiration. And then I can just hear this razor going off in the corner and Paul Lee is being transformed before our eyes. But um, if it is your first time take heart come back again it might be a bit more normal next time maybe it will maybe it won't you never quite know but we keep everybody on their toes which is good but it's good to be together isn't it it's good to be gathered together in the house of God people of together the saints the holy ones the ecclesia the called out ones gathered together to declare the truth of who God is to remember who we are there's nothing like a Sunday gathering is there it's just absolutely brilliant so good to have you with us We've been doing the All In series. We've gone through We Are Givers. We've talked about giving. We've gone through about how we are connected. And this week, we're looking at how we are servers. And, you know, just looking at these notes, I couldn't help but have this kind of brilliant sense of 
pride, I guess is the wrong word, but just a sense of how great you guys are. When we talk about serving, I love it. I feel like we can just show off all the time because at one event, whose church has got the most people serving on it? We have. Safe families for children. Who's got the most people committed to being befrienders and host families? We have. We've got a great bunch of people with CAP. I spoke with people who were representing the gathering across all our locations, and they were saying, we're just finding it a bit tricky to get volunteers. I'm like, oh my goodness, we're not. <laughs> we're not. We've got so many people. We've got people who are serving on host teams, prayer teams, seminar teams, making pat lunches with the Patel guys. There's something about the culture of these people, just this brilliant ragtag bunch of people that we are included in who say we love Jesus and we're going to serve him. So let my main message be thank you. Like, thank you for rolling up your sleeves and getting involved. There's nothing like starting a new church plant, is there, where people have to roll up their sleeves and do the stuff and get it done. We've seen people, it has been, this has been one of the the best things of our entire lives, I think, and definitely um, our leadership, is seeing people be re-envisioned, people who might have just been sat in the pews in another church, then come here and go, right, I'm rolling up my sleeves, I'm getting involved. And that goes to, I love that phrase that Stacey used, treasure trove, because every single one of you, there's a treasure trove of gifts. What I don't want to hear you, um, what I don't want you to hear today is me saying, you have to serve if you're part of this place. If you want to be all in, you have to serve. It's me saying, thank you that you do serve. And if you don't, come and be part of the team. We don't want people standing on, I know when I'm standing on the periphery, looking in, I get a bit edgy. It doesn't bring out the best in me when I'm not involved in something. I feel like people don't really notice or I definitely feel like my defenses go up when I'm on the outside looking in. There's something about saying I can be part of the solution. I can be part of what's going on here that just helps us. It's discipleship, I think. It helps us disciple us. It softens those harsh edges that we can sometimes have. And we realize that we're it that we're part of what is going on here. And I love it. We've heard it from Dan so many times, but it's just so true. Let's not moan about the church. We're it. We are the church. If there's something wrong in our thinking, if we're standing on the periphery, moaning about what's going on in the center, when Jesus is constantly inviting us into the center, if you feel disconnected, please don't feel disconnected. It's a horrible feeling. It brings out the worst in people. Definitely brings out the worst in me. And I think one of the ways you can get connected is to serve. I was thinking Jesus is the best example of a servant, the servant king. And let it not be lost on us like the God of the universe, the God who sustains the universe with his very breath came down to serve. That can be a nice fridge magnet or it can be something that literally transforms the way that you see God. He rolled up his sleeves and he came down to us. We could never reach God. So God came to us and he did it in this most humble servant way. So we're going to have a little look about the Jesus model for serving. We're going to hear from a few guys who obviously we've heard from Stacy. We're going to hear from Neil and we're going to hear from Kev about their experience of serving. And please don't see this as like a finger pointing if you're not on team. Please see it as an invitation to come and be part of what is being built here in the south of the city. Jesus says, John 13, he says, a new command I give you. You are to love one another 
just as I have loved you. And then he goes on in some translations to say, follow my example. Why are we getting back? Why are we doing baptisms in a couple of weeks? Because we're following Jesus' example. Why do we give and we give of ourselves, our time, our treasure, our talent? Because we're trying to follow Jesus' example. If you're trying to work through some of your theology or the labels that you might attach to yourself, which I've been doing recently, just drill down and decide that you're a Jesus follower. That's to me like the most theologically correct thing we can say as Christians. We are followers of Jesus. We're imitators of him. So he says, follow my example. The other brilliant thing he says is people will know that we're his disciples by how we love each other, by how we interact, by how we love the people in our church. By how, Who's that coming through the back door? It's a stranger in our midst. It is Paul Lee with his new hair. Um, the the peop, people on the outside looking in, They will know we are disciples because we love each other. It's great to have Alpha. It's great to have connect groups. It's great to have all these strategies that can draw people into the church. But you know the best strategy. Love each other. It's simple yet profound yet also quite tricky all at the same time. So to serve is to love and to love is to serve. And when Jesus is talking about to love each other, the immediate context he's talking about is is John chapter 13 where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. If you have some time in the week, just read over this again and just ask for some divine revelation because I reckon that brings you to your knees when you realize the God who is way bigger than we can even comprehend how big this God is. Let's not box him in. He is way bigger. You're talking about the star breather, the one who sustains, the one who creates, the ones who speaks and things come into being, that he came and he washed the disciples' feet. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus will love you to the end. Isn't that such a lovely, secure thought? He will love you to the end. We read in Philippians 1 that he has not finished working on us. He loves us as we are, but he loves us, thank God, too much to leave us just as we are. And he carries on loving us to the end. There's not one person here who stepped out the love of God. Not one person, doesn't matter what you've thought, what you've done, what your week consisted of, what your history has written in it. There's nobody here who has stepped out of the love of God and there is nobody here who can step out of the love of God. It's wide, it's deep, it's vast, it's long. The love of God. He loves us to the end. So we read about the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. He was safe in his identity. There's something about you need to be safe in your identity to serve or you're too busy thinking, entertaining an imposter syndrome. Oh, I can't, you know, who am I to do this? Who am I to do that? Jesus served out of a strong identity of knowing who he is in the Father. If you're stood on the outside and you're looking in, may I suggest and can we help you Find your identity in Jesus Christ. Can we help you find who and whose you are? Because then when you serve out of that, everything begins to make sense. So um, then Jesus got up from the meal, 
took off his outer clothing and wrapped his towel around the waist, his waist. We talked about this before when we looked at the communion meal. Have you ever been at a dinner party or a party where someone starts getting a bit loose and acting a bit bizarre and you're not quite sure what they're doing? At this party, this was Jesus. At this meal, he's like giving them cups of wine, um, saying, come drink, which they in the Jewish culture would have interpreted as, will you marry me? He's taking off his clothes. He's tying a towel around his waist. They're like, whoa, what is he doing? Like, you've got to think, oh, let's not spiritualize it too much. You would have thought, has he had too much wine? What's he doing? Why is he taking off his clothes? Why is he tying a towel? Because I believe he's changing history. What he's doing is changing history, saying the God who is far away is near. The God who created the heavens has come to serve you, and I'm going to wash your feet. He took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Don't know what he had underneath the towel. (laughs) I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how crazy it was getting here. But, like, this is honestly a sign of total humility, isn't it? He's being completely humble. He's taking off his outer clothes. In Jewish culture, that talks about your ranking, your status. He's de-ranking himself. He's taking his status off himself. He's wrapping a towel, and he's taking the role of a servant. And this is God. This is God. This is the God of the universe who is doing this. He comes to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replies, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. He's washing his feet in the natural, but in the supernatural, he's making a prophetic statement about what the kingdom of God looks like. The kingdom of God doesn't look like the way that we things do things. The hierarchies are turned on their, on their head. The first shall be last, the last shall be first, the most shall be least. It's all a prophetic statement saying this is what the kingdom of God looks like. And isn't that good for us Gentiles who would have otherwise been on the outside? Jesus replied, you don't understand what I'm doing. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Interesting thinking around baptism there as well. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean. So he's making a statement about he's identifying himself. He's derobing himself. He's serving and taking the place of a servant. So in the first century, almost everyone walked around um, just with sandals on. They didn't have socks. It was all kind of open sandals. And the roads were dirty. They weren't tar- tarmacked. Nothing was sanitized. Sewage was thrown out onto the road. So people's feet were dirty, not just with a bit of mud, but all with all kinds of things. And isn't that just what Jesus does? He comes and takes the very excrement of our lives and he washes it away on his knees with a towel wrapped around his waist. This is the God that we see. Therefore, everyone's feet would have been covered and caked in dirt. And in the households, it was the job of the lowliest servant. So the lowest servant, maybe a servant that had tried to run away before or a servant who was new to the job. That's the first thing that they'd be given. The absolute lowest of the low job was to wash the feet of the people when they came in. It was considered demeaning. It was incredibly lowly. You take into context the Jewish context of doing things where things are unclean. Um, So this was an unclean, lowly job. And this is why the disciples didn't move an inch and wouldn't wash each other's feet. They didn't do it. They didn't roll up their sleeves, did they? But he's saying, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to model it and I'm going to show the way. We see verse 4 to 5. Jesus gets down and he washed the disciples' feet. An incredible act of love 
and humility. Serving is following Jesus in an act of love and an act of humility. So I've got five points that I'm going to get into. First, I'm going to ask Kev to come up and him just give us a bit of a taste. Let's give Kev a round of applause. Kev, I feel like you were one of those people that were really repurposed. We love being in a live Lincoln with you, but I don't know if you served on a team. I don't remember that you did. Remember you maybe came and left. And So can you just tell us a little bit about your journey of serving here? Well, first of all, um, I'd like to ask anybody who's on the setup team just to stand up, please. There are, there are a couple of others. There's, there's Toby, <laughs> Toby and Trev. Um, I love serving alongside these guys. I'm not sure it's the same the other way back, Mal, but you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I love serving along them. We get here a little earlier every week. Um, the one or two perks to the job, you get to save your seat. Yeah. <laughs> You get first dib on the donuts and the coffee. (laughs) But what I would like to say is um, we are desperate for new members. As you can see, there aren't many of us. You know, they turn up week in, week out. We transform this building from, well, a school into our church, basically. Um, It's a lot of pressure on the guys, and one or two of us aren't getting any younger. (laughs) And you might notice it's all guys, no ladies. It's not just exclusive to uh, to guys. Ladies are more than welcome to join us. I'm trying not to look at any people specifically. <laughs> um, but but that's it, really. I mean, I just love serving along these guys, warts and all. It's a, we're a really close-knit team. Um, we have a bit of banter. And, you know, it's just fantastic. I wouldn't have it any other way. And that's really all I've... Uh, but before, before we finish, what I'd like to do is, can we just honour these guys? Because they are great. Thank you. You lead the team so well. And yeah, I do hear a rumour that Kev gets pastries for everybody on occasion. But you know, if we get loads of people... So only... Oh, right. Okay. It's a rewards basis, apparently. That, that is also very biblical, based on rewards. Um, so if the more people who sign up this, to this team, the less frequently you have to do it. If we get a load of people sign up, then you could be looking at maybe doing it once a month or... Um, so definitely we're going to be... Get, Dan's going to lead us through in a response time at the end where we can say, yes, we're going to be part of this team. So well done, guys. So for five points. The first one is serving is costly. Serving can cost you something. We know for Kev, he has to give up an extra hour in bed. And for the worship team, it costs them something. Serving is costly. Serving like Jesus is costly. It's full of humility. And we see that Jesus took the role of a slave. The washing of the feet shows us that. It will involve actively serving people and getting our hands dirty. Again, he shows us that. He washed dirty feet. It will involve self-sacrifice. Yes, the extra bit of time in bed or whatever on a Sunday morning. It might involve, um, and again, it's not just Sunday. You know, church, we talked about this again and again throughout this series. Church isn't just Sunday. It's not just a Sunday morning. We never want to be Sunday-centric. There is something so powerful about the people of God. There's something so biblical. The ecclesia, the called-out ones meeting together. But that, this is just part of the story. 
It could, I know butterflies need help setting up. There's things that need help throughout the week. And hopefully, definitely, when we get our building, this will be an issue, um, less of an issue. So it's costly. It will involve loving those that sometimes we struggle to love. Now, you know, we're called to love people, but we might not always like all the people around us. We might rub us up the wrong way. It might be tricky sometimes to be around them. But look at this. Jesus even washed Judas's feet. He knew he was going to abandon him. He, well, Pete, sorry, he washed Peter's feet. He knew Peter was going to abandon him. He knew that Judas already had it in mind to go and betray him, but he still washed his feet. There's something really convicting in there, don't you think? Something about the power of serving people that don't get us, that are going to betray us, that don't speak well of us. There's something that proclaims the kingdom coming when we do that. We pray it, your kingdom come, your will be done. Sometimes the kingdom comes in really tricky ways where we have to deny ourselves. We have to take count the cost of serving and do it anyway. Jesus died for a world who rejected him. There's a model there for us to serve people even when they don't get us. So... Serving is costly. Secondly, serving is caring. I don't know about you, but I am so deeply grateful to be part of a caring church. People who really care. Rachel mentioned it at the beginning. People who really care for one another. I feel so loved in this place. Hopefully you do too. If you don't, please come and speak to us and we'll look at why don't you feel loved? What can we do in order for you to feel loved? You should feel loved in this place. And like I said earlier, you don't have to remain anonymous. You don't have to remain on the periphery. You can get connected and care for one another and be cared for and to invest. And in this passage, we see Jesus' wonderful, tender care for his disciples. John 13, 33, he talks to them. He uses the word, the word little children. Little children, yet a while I'm with you. You'll seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I'm going, I cannot come. He addresses them as little children. The Greek here is technia, and what it means is a word, like a deep word of affection for people that you know need to be cared for. You know, whether it's kids or children in your life or people who you know just need that tender care. It's almost like that beautiful divine accommodation where he just kind of crouches down and looks eye to eye and says, technia, dear children, that's what he calls us. In verse 36, he explains that he's you, he will be leaving them. And the picture is all about a caring father explaining to his children that he has to go away. Serving like Jesus flows from a heart full of compassion for his people. Has anyone sang the words to that song before, break my heart for what breaks yours? And then God answers that prayer and it's like, oh, you're like walking around the street weeping or stood at the school gate crying in, in Aldi's getting your beans like sobbing. Is that just me? Is other people feel like, Lara, I feel like you could feel like that. Where you're like, God, the way that you feel for other people, put that care in me. That's the kind, I believe God loves us to ask that. You know, sometimes we get, life happens and we just get a bit um, compassion fatigue don't we? We get a bit of compassion fatigue. We get a bit hard-hearted. We get a bit on our own way of doing things. I believe Jesus just loves to redirect us and say, I call you technia. Children, I, it, I just want to love you. I, it flows out of this deep compassion I have. Maybe just pray this week or get the prayer team at the end. If your heart's got a bit hard, ask again for that compassion. Because when our service flows out of that compassion, it's beautiful. I see it everywhere where you're just like, oh, I just really love people. I just have this huge heart for them. I just want to serve them. I just want to love them. So f serving is caring. Fourthly, serving is commitment. And Neil, I'm going to ask you if you can come up here and tell us a little bit about your serving into the location. 
So Neil is just one. There's so many committed people in this place who serve week in, week out, who are committed, who said, I will commit myself to this team. So do you want to tell us a little bit about how you serve in the week? Um, yeah, so I'm part of the shed, uh, which is run by John Fletcher. Um, and something all these teams have in common is the, they all have passionate leaders. Uh, Kev, John, all, all the other team leaders are just brilliant and they inspire us. And um, w what mine entails is we meet once a month. Uh, we try and get people who, uh, aren't, you know, who are struggling, perhaps depressed, uh, perhaps uh, struggling financially. And we try and give them somewhere to meet where they can have coffee, uh, where, they, where they can have um, cake as well, which is always made by Martin. And I always give him a handshake like it's a great British bake-off. Um, <laughs> And um, it's, just, uh, it's just amazing to put on these activities for them, uh, whether it's a music quiz, whether it's uh, getting someone to come in and speak, um, and uh, just see the change in them as well. I mean, uh, for, for, uh, for these people to, to even come here in itself is amazing, and to see the change in them as they get to speak to people, as they get to talk about their issues, it's a hugely, hugely rewarding, uh, re rewarding role. Uh, that I have, and uh, I'm, I feel blessed to be part of it, to be honest. Well done, Neil. Oh, and also football on a Monday. So Neil's really invested into committing into our community. And when we do that, we see lives change. You know, I just hear a few headlines of, of guys who are popping along to the shed, guys who are struggling with heroin addiction, guys who are going through divorce, guys who feel depressed. They're connecting with the shed and they're hearing truth and they're seeing people like John and Nigel meet and Neil meet them and welcome them and make them feel at home. That's such a Jesus model that John John came to us with a heart of like, I've got a heart for these guys. I know what it's like to feel so down. So I want to take that and instead of standing on the periphery feeling like I'm so down, nobody understands me, let me step into the center and redeem what God has redeemed this thing. There's, I think there's so many redemptive ways we can serve. I know there's people who've got a heart for people who've been through marriage breakups or people who've got depression, people who are struggling with children or financially. What heart has God given you? Where do you have that compassion that you can allow your service to flow out of? But Jesus was committed. He was committed to the cause. We see even in the Garden of Gethsemane, he is praying and so anguished that he's sweating blood. That was medically possible. You have to be at a huge, huge amount of stress in order for that to happen. But he stayed committed, and that's the model for us. He also stayed committed to loving and serving people who would go and deny him. We mentioned this a bit earlier, but we hear this great interaction between Peter and Jesus where Peter's saying, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus thinking, you're not. And then he tells him, by the time that the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. Serving like Jesus means we're faithful and committed to people regardless of what they can give us in return. That we're just so committed. John brought something great into the pre-meeting this morning. That there can be two types of generosity. One, a selfish generosity. Makes us feel better. Makes us feel good. And then the selfless generosity. That's the Jesus model. It's inconvenient. It's costly. It takes our commitment. But if we consider ourselves followers of Jesus, that's the way to live. So, fourthly, Christ ser serving is Christ-empowered. It's so important to see that the power to live out this command and lead out of love 
isn't actually really in us. <laughs> we have some people, some personality types who are way better at serving. Some people who are just kind of naturally wired this way. But to serve the way that Jesus says isn't a natural thing. It's a supernatural thing. It's an infilling of the Holy Spirit. It's an overflow of the understanding of what God has done. I love that Corrie ten Boom t- uh, quote. I've mentioned it before. Serving the Lord in your own strength is the most painful, tedious, and exhausting of works. But if you let the Spirit flow out of you, it comes out of an overflow. That's the type of serving we need. There's plenty of really brilliant people doing really brilliant things in the world that don't know Jesus. Let's not be smug about it's only Christians who do good work. That's not true. There's loads of non-Christians, people who don't yet know Jesus, who don't go to church, who do life-changing work. But life-changing is different to life-transforming. We want lives to be transformed. We want there to be the breath of the Holy Spirit on the serving that we're doing. So when we put out a chair, we're not just putting out a chair, we're putting out a seat for somebody who might encounter Jesus in a life-changing way this morning. When we're pouring a cup of coffee, we're not just pouring a cup of coffee, we're being hospitable and welcoming people to the table at which Jesus sits. We've got to change our thinking about what serving is. Serving is Christ-empowered. This is a new commandment, not simply in the pattern to follow, but also the power to do it. Jesus isn't just saying, this is what you should do. He's saying, this is how you need to do it. You need to be filled. And then finally, before Dan's going to come up and lead us in some response, serving is communicating. We know, don't we, that we've got to practice what we preach. We read faith and deeds. Faith without deeds is dead. If we are encountering Jesus, if our life's been transformed, there will be an overflow that will make an impact in our everyday lives. And again, this is quite, this is quite Sunday-centric, but we need, this, we need people to serve in order for Sundays to happen. So many of you are going out and doing this in your workplaces, and we are cheering you on. If you're doing it working as a receptionist, if you're doing it working as a teacher, we're taking these principles, aren't we? And we're then taking them out into the world. But service needs to be communicated. A final truth we see is that as we lead out of this Christ-empowered love, we communicate to the world the magnificence and the majesty of Jesus. The putting out the chairs, the pouring the coffee, the welcoming to kids, all that kind of stuff. It's, not a, it's just a means to an end, actually. That end being communicating the love of Jesus. Serving like Jesus is to point people to Jesus. That's the point. That's the whole point. We're serving and nothing is too small to point somebody to Jesus. Nothing. I remember David Irwin's wife, Brenda, and she was amazing. She would show you to your seat and by showing you to your seat, she showed you to Jesus. I don't know if you know Brenda, but just the way she did it, the way she'd come alongside you, she'd make sure nobody was on their own, that everybody was seated, everybody was connected. And you can just say, oh, on a Sunday, Brenda just points people to their seats. No, she got the revelation that she was pointing people to Jesus. So I'd love us to get that revelation today and to have an opportunity to put our faith into action, to sign up, to get involved. So Dan, we've got some cards, is that right? Great. That was world class. Come on, let's give it up for Joe. What a message. We always say being part 
of this church, it's not like a restaurant, you turn up Sunday or to connect group and you don't contribute. No, we are part of a family and in a family, you contribute. And we want to say thank you for all your contribution. I love what we bought on the first week of this series with the All In. If you're here sitting here and they're going, church is talking about what can I get from uh, from church or what do I have to give to church or, or what do I have to do for church rather than what does this, what do you get from, no, what's the quote? <laughs> no, I've, yeah, 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 you know what I mean anyway. Yeah, God wants it for you. And one of the best things that I have seen is people have served and have taken responsibility for the kingdom of God. They have started flying in their own relationship with God. I've seen people come alive in cap, in shed, in butterflies, on Sunday serving teams. I love the fact that Kev, in his former church, didn't used to serve, but he's come alive, he's found purpose, and I think that's what God does. So if we could just put this slide of the teams that we've got over there, and we're going to do a response today, um, which would be absolutely fantastic. We would love, our heart is that everybody here, 100% of people, serve in, in this house or in some way in something with our community projects. So as you can see, they're coming up here. These are all our community teams and then we've got our Sunday teams as well so if we could go on to our Sunday teams and the response today is for everybody to say is there something that I can bring into this team I believe as you step out and you serve God your faith comes alive because faith is spelled R-I-S-K you like that one don't you never been good at English So, but we want to encourage you to be part of this so what we're going to do is a host team if you could start handing out all them cards Um, we would love that. And Becky, if you could put some music on in the background, some light music. Our response today, and we would love everybody to get involved. Is there something that you can bring? We talk about treasure, time, and talents. Have you got a talent that we need in this house? Not just on a Sunday morning, but as well. That's it. Maybe it's something a bit more subtle. No, that's all right. That's all right. Yeah, keep that nice and light. So is there something that you can bring into this house? What can you do to serve that's going to bring your faith alive? Coming on a Sunday morning doesn't just happen without volunteers. And just before that, I would like to honour everybody in the house who do serve as well. So in our community teams, whether it be butterflies, shed, whatever you're doing over there, if you serve on a team for our community projects, our teams, right where you are, would you just like to stand up now? Because we want to honour everyone. So if you serve on any of our community teams, if we could get the community teams up there, that would be great, Becky. Could we get our community teams up there? If you serve in any way on all of these, could we give these guys a big round of applause, a big shout out? We want to honour you, we want to say thank you for that. And what about if you serve in any way on a Sunday morning? If you serve being part of the team or if you're a connect group leader and you've served in a house or any of the weekly teams, would you like to stand up as well? Can we give everybody a big round of applause, a big shout out for the culture, what we've got? Grab your seats. We love it. So we'd love everyone to be proactive. So the response today is, can you serve on a team? on our community projects, out into the community, or on a Sunday morning? Are you desperate to bring your gift into this house? So what we love to do is, as we play a little song over you, we'd like to take you, give you three minutes just to fill in the cards. If you're already serving on a team, just write that team in there. We'd love it. But maybe you would like to do something else. We would love to continue this culture that we are all in. We don't want to be on the outside looking in. We want to be in the core, right in the centre. 
So why don't you fill these cards in? We're going to give you three minutes and then Rachel's going to come up and formally close our morning this morning. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to send round the baskets and we're going to collect these up in the baskets as well. So let's take a few minutes to fill these out. Thank you. <laughs> 